Hello, and welcome to Big Sound Small Town. I'm your host, Sandy Carlton. The small towns and communities of Cleveland County, North Carolina have long been a hotbed of music in all its many forms. Several Cleveland County musicians have found commercial success and critical acclaim in the music industry. Yeah, everybody knows the Earl Scruggs, Don Gibson, Patty Loveless, and Alicia Bridges are from Cleveland County. Donald Byrd, too. So this is not a podcast about them. This is a podcast about the musicians who are still here to keep music alive here. This is the stories, and you need to know them and know the people who are making the music. This is not, this is not your normal podcast. I do not think this interview can convey to the listeners the impact Art Mooney has had on the Cleveland County music scene. If you've bought musical instruments, if you've taken music lessons, if you've seen live music, then you have seen Art Mooney. At the time of this podcast, he was playing in three different bands. But then, let's just let him tell you the story. Big Sound Small Town. We're in Hannah's Coffee Shop on Marion Street in Shelby, North Carolina. With bass player extraordinaire, musician, musical entrepreneur, Art Moon. Welcome to the show, Art. Howdy, howdy. How are you? I'm pretty good. All right, now, we're here to talk about music. Where did your love of music start and when? That's easy. Uh, growing up, my dad, uh, who was not a musician, he knew how to play guitar boogie, Arthur Smith, but uh, he loved instrumental guitar music. He had everything, Chet Atkins, Les Paul. Uh, he got into surf really heavy. I mean, the Ventures, the, the Satellites, all those bands. He had every single record. So if there was music in our house, that's what it was, it was instrumental guitar music. Um you know, I had a couple of play guitars when I was a kid and learned how to play guitar boogie, and that was about the extent of it. But luckily, our next door, well, across the street neighbors on King's Road growing up, the Parker family, they owned a, a place called the Red Barn Dance Hall in Shelby. Well, they had a house full of guitars, basses, PA systems, amplifiers, the whole enchilada. Well, their son Mark and I were in the same grade in school, and we hung out all the time. And one day in 1975, I can remember it, uh, we, he had his dad's PA system, two gigantic columns and a mixer, and hooked up his stereo to it, and we listened to two albums that I had never heard before. Uh, Kiss, Alive One, the first one, and ZZ Top's Fandango, the first side's live, or second side is live, and that basically changed my life. I decided that day I wanted to learn how to play. Well, um, my brother and I at the same time both got guitars. Okay. Okay. And I just, for some reason, I don't know if it was Gene Simmons or Dusty Hill, uh, I just decided that's, you know, everybody played guitar and not a lot of people play bass. So I made that, went in that direction. I got a Kingston bass for my 12th birthday. Uh, Started trying to teach myself how to play. 
and that didn't work out real well. But I started stealing from other people as far as you know, I could see. You know, hey, how'd you do that? That kind of thing. Um, my brother and I were on the same path. He would learn something on guitar, and I would steal it and uh, play it on bass. But uh, yeah, just fall through. You know, garage bands. Oh dear Lord, yes. I ruined so many records. I mean, I have vinyl that would be worth tons of money if I hadn't, you know, okay, play that again, pick it up, bag it up, pick it up, you know, dropping records to 16 instead of 33 to try to figure it out an octave lower and then play it, which that helped a lot, but... Oh, God, yeah. I think it made our ears better. Today, you know, I know a lot of people that just, if it wasn't for YouTube, they couldn't play at all. Uh, I wish I, God, if we'd have had YouTube, I mean, I'd, I'd be Stanley Clark level by now. Well, I actually found out once YouTube came along that I was playing stuff wrong, but I thought I was playing right. Oh, absolutely. But maybe YouTube guys playing it wrong. But, uh, you know, as things went on, I played all the way through high school. My first real gig was with some high school buddies, Mark Parker included, uh, at Crest High School. We played for the uh, magazine sale. They had a party after it where everybody at school had to be there. So we played in front of, I guess, you know, ever how many kids were at Crest High School at that time. That was my first gig. And I floated off the ground three inches for the next 24 hours. It was pretty amazing. We, we were god-awful horrible. But it, what kind of stuff did you do? Uh, a friend wrote, <laughs> modified uh, Johnny Cash's uh, Folsom Prison Blues, something about magazines, and then wrote a wrote a took a go go song and made a punk rock tune out of it and changed the lyrics. And if I remember right, the two lead singers at the end bashed guitars over their heads. It, oh, showmanship was part of it. It was a big part of it, but. Uh, you know, went on from there. It was still, you know, playing somebody's basement, playing in somebody's garage until, you know, I finally got to a point where I started learning. My ear got better. I learned how to play bass. I focused on it. I mean, I would come home from school, go to my bedroom, put on uh, Rush's Hemispheres record, do my homework, and then start learning. Uh, there was a song on there I worked on for a solid year. And it, it, it improved my plan drastically. It, I mean, I, basically the way I look at it, I have no musical talent. I've just put a lot of work into it. But it does require a lot of hard work. That's it. If you don't put the practice into it, you're you're not going you're not going to improve. You're not going to be better. And that's I still to this day I get a minimum of thirty minutes a day. Yeah. Come egg or high water. So when so when did you decide that this was going to be more than just uh, let's play a little bit? Did you did you play in the band in high school? I was in several. Oh, oh but I mean, did you play in the? Oh yes, I was in school band and. So I loved that, and I, I begged Bob Hendricks, who was our band director, to have theory classes to teach us theory. And my senior year, yep, we're going to do it, and not enough people signed up. So we never got theory. Well, but still, the thing is, though, we, we were taught how to read. 
And because I was a treble clef uh, baritone and trumpet player, I never got to learn bass clef. And being a bass player, first time I went into a session, they plopped down bass, you know, bass clef music in front of me. I just was like, uh, I can't do this. Can I write out the chord changes? <laughs> But uh, you know, went through high school. I was my original plan. I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to go wherever we were going. But uh, my dad wanted me to go to Annapolis Military Academy, and I I had the grades to go. But I had to find out that I would have to kiss Jesse Helms' ass to get the letter to get in. So that kind of ended that right then. And you know, going to be a musician. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, kind of took a bypass, you know, did two years of college over here. Back then it was Cleveland Tech, and the whole time I was playing more and more music. Um, got lucky, I was teaching guitar at Apple Tree Music, one East Marion Street, Shelby, North Carolina. <laughs> that was it. Uh, was teaching for Doug Benson, and I knocked a guitar off a stand, and it made a dent. It was a $1,000 bass which I still own to about three months ago. But he said, how are you going to pay me for this? And I said, I guess you gave me a job. And he gave me a job, $75 a week. I worked from uh, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. every single day but Sunday. And I loved it. There was nothing better. Uh, I made some friends there that some of them are gone, and I miss them. But uh, it was a great start. I worked there for uh, a couple, several years. Got, Playing, and that's when I joined Peeler's Mill. We all know Peeler's Mill. And I miss Louis Ledford like you wouldn't believe. No, Louis was the king. <laughs> all the stories we could tell, but we won't. Uh, he's not here to defend himself, so I won't. But uh, played with Peeler's Mill, my first real, honest to God, making money working band. I mean, best I recall, probably made as much money in that band as any band I was ever in. I mean, my God, this is, what, 30-some-odd years yeah, later, and please. and if you gig and you have more than a three-piece band, we're going to make the same amount of money that we did in 1983 yeah. and 84. That's the ridiculous thing. And that place used to be packed out of the door. You Absolutely. Know, the whole door. Oh, yeah. The guy didn't know that. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we averaged, we averaged $50. A night. That was our, our usual money and with band cut and all this other stuff, but hasn't changed since then. <laughs> Nobody wants to pay a good musician now. They'll pay a crappy DJ all day long. But but uh, the Peeler's Mill thing happened while I was at Apple Tree and continued on till believe '89. Uh, I got a job. I was promoted to store manager at Apple Tree, and then got a phone call from Gaffney, South Carolina, Hames Music. I uh, worked to work for them. I was offered store manager position there with an incredible raise and getting out into the real world as far as I was concerned. Uh, yep. Uh, still lived in Shelby, but I had a really nice job there. Great store, great people uh, with a constant growth curve, uh, getting bigger every day. And I loved it. And we... Yeah, that store moved three times while I was there from Baker Boulevard out to uh, Highway 85, and then we rebuilt the store, <clears throat> but enough of that. But I was with them until uh, 1998. Left there, went to a place called Mars Music in Charlotte, a giant big box store that was going to change the world and make me a millionaire, which we can tell neither one of those things happened because they went out of business in, I think, 2004. 
Uh, I was there for a few years, became a road rep, worked some in Shelby again for Johnny Reed, Shelby Music. I was a road rep for Washburn International, which I loved because it was a, a traveling job. I had started off with North and South Carolina as my territory, and every time I did really well, they'd give me another state. So when I left, I had the Carolinas, Georgia, Upper Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, and one dealer in Texas. That was a chain that had eight or nine stores, but it wasn't very profitable. <laughs> Absolutely, I love the Nam show. Oh, absolutely! I got to meet all my heroes, but one. Uh, that's getting Giddy Lee from Rush. I never got to meet him, but John Entwistle, Chris Squire, uh, Andy West from the Dregs, Steve Morse—you know—all my musical heroes. I got to meet. Got to slap her hands and say, "You know, hey, love what you do. Thanks." Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, during that whole time, I kind of put music on the back burner. I got married, uh, was still playing some until I guess it was 90, I want to say 92, and we formed the Snake Handlers. And uh, that band went for quite a way, long ways, put out a couple of CDs, self-recorded, of course, self-recorded. But we and played a lot of original music all over the Carolinas. I think we even went to no, we didn't go to Georgia. We went to Virginia several times. But uh, that was during the everything goes acoustic period of life in the mid nineties. Uh, well, it, the main songwriter at the time was he wasn't American at that point. He is now, but he would write. Um, I would say if you want to say if the Who met. Uh, Dave Matthews and that just gave me a lot of opportunity to play the way I play which you know uh, I hear something in a song and I respond to it uh, you know, yeah I keep a, the snare drum and kick drum I got them locked in you got to have the groove but the way I play is when I hear something I, I respond to it. and I never play the same thing twice can be annoying to some people, but it's just it depends depends on the night and the mood and, and what's going on. The bigger the crowd, the better I play. Well, Tom's always been impeccable. I don't know. Well, thank you. I seen you several different lives. I know that. Um, I, I know it must be in your touch. Well, I mean, you have been hooked up with the industry and no good. Tom, your Tom's have actually always been. Well, thank you. Don't get me wrong, your playing is fantastic, but I'm equally impressed with your tones. Well, thank you. Well, I, I have one in my head. I'm still getting there. I'm, I'm, I'm more about tone than about anything. It doesn't matter the instrument from drums right. to basses. I have a tone. As long as it sounds good. Yeah, well, that works too. <laughs> as long as people respond. Well, I'm a gear junkie, and uh, oh, dear Lord. I've probably owned over a thousand bases in my life, easy. At one time I had a collection, before we had children, I had an entire room in my house that was nothing but guitars and basses. Do you have a favorite of all those? Yeah, I had a 1963 Fender Jazz bass that I got as a box of parts at Hames Music. Uh, the only thing Fender of the finish left was uh, Fender Jazz on the headstock. That was all that was left. It had been stripped and refinished and refinished and stripped. And it was the best neck I had ever laid my hands on. Loved that bass deck. Yep. 
I was it, it, I, if you want to get a good idea of what it looked like, look at Stevie Ray Vaughan's number one. Right. It was that same sort of condition. In a, in a jazz bass. Exactly, except it was a jazz bass. No finish left. I changed the pit guard, the pickups, the let's see, tuners were original, and I put a Leo Quan badass bridge on it, and it was just it was my bass. And, original pickups. <clears throat> no, it had, somebody had put some old Demarzios in it, which sounded nice, but I put a set of Ken Smith J bass pickups in it. So it sounded, it had a great tone. I loved recording with it. Now, at this time, I was also an endorsee with uh, Warwick Basses and did uh, clinics for them, and they had given me a uh, Jack Bruce thumb bass, which I loved the tone of live, but recording, it just kind of disappeared in the mix. So the next record that we did, well, Snake Handlers, Dancing Hobos, whichever version. Go with that transition. Okay, uh, well... When we went, we were more electric with the Snake Handlers. It was it was a more of a rock band, and then we made the transition to acoustic because you know that was the thing at that time. The Dave Matthews time. Yeah, exactly. Um, Indigo Girls, yeah. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. When we made the transition, they wanted a name change, so <laughs> we went with that same one. Guys. Same guy, basically same uh, same lineup. We right. went through about sixteen drummers, I think. Well, but the, the three core guys were the same all the way through. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, that band, uh, you know, like I said, we played a lot. We, we traveled a lot. Didn't make a lot of money because it was original music. Because ninety nine percent of the time you played for the door. Yeah, yeah. Original music's a hard way. And that band eventually became a cover band, and and we were a great cover band, and made money and played a, a lot more regularly, but. Eh. Not quite the same. It's not quite the same. I I would love to get that bunch back together if humanly possible, and I don't think it's going to happen. So then what happens? Then what happened? Well, after all that, after I came off the road with Washburn, uh, me and a friend started a music store in Bowling Springs, Bulldog Music. Did really well for a couple years, and then the bottom dropped out. In 2008, when the economy went down in the crapper, I kept it open for two more years, and then just due to circumstance, we went out of business. At the same time as when I became sick, uh, having heart issues. Well, uh, I had heart failure. Had no idea what it was. By the time I finally went to the doctor, they said, you know, you've got to have a transplant or (laughs) the other alternative. And uh, I was on transplant list for a year. I found out I was allergic to the medicines that you have to take with uh, the heart transplant, so I was taken off the list. I've done really well since then. I still have a lot of issues, but uh, the heart failure is not as bad as it was, and I just cope with it. Let me ask you, mm-hmm. this is a yes or no question. Okay. I've heard a rumor. Well, it might not be a rumor, but I think you told me this. Is there some... some quote from you, maybe that uh, something happens you want to be playing? Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always, you know, go out on fire. Yeah, on scene. Yeah. Making sure I got if it, I'd be, I'd be most happy if it happened while I was playing. I would rather be up and, you know, playing a great gig in front of a lot of people when it happens rather than, you know, wither away at hospice or, or yeah. you know, go in your sleep. You know, it's better... <laughs> Better to burn out than fade away. 
thank you. I'm still dealing with a ton of health issues. Yeah. Uh, I'm playing in a couple of cover bands. I play with uh, Jeff Gates, the Jeff Gates Band, out of uh, Gaffney, South Carolina. And a young blonde guitar hero from here in Shelby was used to be with Southern Experience, J.T. Fitch. His band's called Dangerous Ways. And uh, I'm old enough to be his dad. That's a scary thing. But uh, bands are just different enough to keep it interesting. Uh, Jeff does a lot of 70s R&B, funk, Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan. That's what he's into, which is a lot of fun. And then JT is into the music I was playing when I was 18. Uh, In high school, there were no metal clubs in Shelby. You you, You couldn't play heavy metal. Band band didn't count. But that's what he's into, and it's going over real well. He's very talented. Find places to play in the middle. Oh yeah, there's a lot. Well, we went to. Uh, oh shoot, not Ocean Lakes. That's where we stayed, uh, Garden City Pier, yeah. and played there for two nights. And I had told him in the beginning, I said, "Dude, back that metal stuff out of the set. Let's do more, you know, general family-friendly material." The second night, our last set was nothing but. Dio and Quiet Right, and these people went nuts. The club owner came and said, "Hey, I can't wait to have you guys back. So we'll be back there sometime in the fall." That's good. So what does the future hold? Mm. Boy, I wish I knew. Uh, the way I have to do it now is just simply day by day. I mean, I was told by my uh, heart surgeon Morse this morning that I need to be in ER right now. Well, that's a total waste of time. Uh, go over there, be in the hospital for two or three days, they don't find anything and send me home. Uh, yes, too. Uh, Shelby's hospital's pretty horrible. The nurses are incredible, but the, <laughs> the doctors ain't hitting on much. But uh, I've got, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm building a man cave in my backyard, and it's almost completed, and I'm going to finally set up a little private recording studio for me. I've uh, got my library out there, and I've got about 30 songs that I need to cut. I've cut them with me playing everything, except drum machine. And I'm going to cut them with a real drummer and a, a better guitar player and going from that. So hopefully I'm going to get something released in next year or so. I'm glad you're still doing that after all this time. Oh, yeah. I see your family is just about gone. Oh, yeah. I know there was time without many that you, you had your doubts that they'd ever get back. <laughs> well, I, my two oldest are at Western Carolina, uh, doing really well. Uh, my oldest works full-time and is a full-time student at Western Carolina. Uh, next one, he just started a job, so he's doing well. And then Max, this is his my boy's senior year, which I'm not really looking forward to. <laughs> and then my daughter, she's got a couple years yeah, left, and then, years. and then yeah. we'll be left. We'll be done. Well, this is Max's final football season, and it's really tearing me up. We've been at Shelby High for so long. All three of the boys played football from kindergarten all the way through. So it's it's going to be a big loss when he plays his last game, which I which I hope is in December somewhere at Raleigh, getting that sixth ring for our house. I hope it is too. I do appreciate you doing this. This has been a real good interview, and I've enjoyed it very much. Well, thank you, Sandy. So have I. All right, we'll do this again sometime. All right, man. Thanks.
Art has a wealth of recorded material, having recorded with many bands over the years. You can find his stuff on YouTube, on the internet if you search around. Uh, the only thing he gave me for this recording is a beautiful untitled original. Uh, side note, uh, there is a smoke alarm beeping in there, uh, but it's still a beautiful recording. Listen up. Mm -hmm. 